0: Sonic states. So, hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 225. Recording live today on Wednesday, the, what is it? Oh, it's the 13th of July. Um, Amazingly enough, today we have in the studio Mr. PJ Tracy, who's come here all the way from, uh, well, from America. There's PJ. Give us a wave, PJ. Good afternoon. Nice to see you.
1: Great to be here.
0: So, uh, your first time in Bath, right?
1: My very first time in Bath. Yes,
0: excellent. Yes. And uh, you sticking around tonight? We'll go out for a for a bite. Sounds great. So you're here on business. Yes, is this uh, business you can't talk about.
1: This is business I cannot talk about. Yes, sounds
0: very exciting. Yep. I'm quite looking forward to finding out what that actually is when I've when I've fueled <laughs> when, you up with a few jars when you've had a couple of pints yeah maybe I'll do I'll, I'll work on it so uh, PJ Tracy PJ Tracy com composer and uh secretive business person, tri- multinational business person, I think we could say. <laughs>
1: Possibly even a man of intrigue.
0: A man of intri- international man of intrigue. I like the sound of that. And um, we've also got a couple of people down the wire, um, the first of which is Dave Spears up there. Um, you can see him above me on the uh, left hand side uh, in a rather dingy space there, Dave. Um, you're sort of lit in a kind of true chat roulette style.
2: It's really sad. I've got three light bulbs in this room, and over the last week, two of them blew. And I just haven't <laughs> had no time to change them. And there's something <laughs> quite nice about working in the dark, so I've just kind of left it.
0: There's got to be a joke there. How many GeForce, uh, uh, members of GeForce does it take to change a light bulb?
2: Yeah, or probably, how long does it take them to change a light bulb? <laughs> <laughs> in, in programming language, three months. In yeah. reality... Three years.
0: How many lines of code does it take to change a light bulb? Yeah. Oh. Whoa. How many if, if then loops? How many go tos? Anyway, welcome everybody. Um, Dave Spears, g4software.com. And then over there in the, to my right is Rich Hilton from sunny Connecticut. Uh, at least I assume it's sunny. I can't tell. It's almost. It's actually a bit cloudy today. It's been very sunny
3: up till lately and hot. Yeah, well, it's hot yeah, and humid. It's a bit milder. I've just, turned a
0: the, bit milder. Yeah, I've just turned the air conditioning off because, uh, as I'm sure you remember, if I turn it on again, let's see if, it's, if we can hear it. Ready? There it goes. Can you oh, hear it? to the beach? Yeah. I don't know. It's not too loud. I, I remember it being Hard. really hot here a couple of times, and I had to actually. Um, well, I'll show you where it is. It's basically there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why it's noisy. So anyway, um, here we all are. Um, Sonic Talk number 225. Uh, I'm not sure if Mark... Uh, I know, PJ, you had a chance to speak to Mark yesterday, meet him in person.
1: I did, yes. Had coffee with him and his, and his lovely son, Brandon.
0: Excellent. So right. he said he was going to try and make it, but... He did. Uh, yeah. I know sometimes it's not possible. And Mark has a uh because his his family's down from uh from out of town so he he may well be not be with us. But we'll keep an eye out for him. Keep an eye out in Skype and in the chat room. So um where do we start? Ah processing live drums in Pro Tools. Now this was in itself uh let me just see if I can start this off. Uh yeah here we go. Part of the DSP project. Hi, I'm Mike Hillier. Um
2: we're gonna be talking through some drum mixing in Pro Tools uh, for the DSP project today, I'm going to start listening to this drum, drum recording is made, we've got everything on multi-tracks. I'm going to start by, the first thing i like to do is just the room mics, just in isolation, it gives you an idea of what the kit sounded like when you were recording it in the room. What we've got there is nice, open, clean, roomy sound.
0: I'll fast forward a bit. Basically, it goes through the entire Flip. kind of kit Flip. and all the mics and selections. Within shows kind of what track. it does for all of them, Bring in. and then we get to the end. And it's
3: so the whole track.
0: Let's have a look. Are we listening to the whole track yet? Anyway. I thought it was a brilliant idea because, I mean, the opportunity to actually be able to go through a session and just see exactly what is used in that situation and just essentially kind of this is what I've done to a live kit. Particularly as, I know, I mean, I guess a bunch of us might know how to deal with a live kit, but, I mean... A bunch of us don't either because it doesn't happen to us very often. I imagine, Rich, you're kind of pretty well uh, versed in that subject. But by also the same token, are there any processes that you would reach for? You know, taking a live kit, mic'd in the way that you would like it to be mic'd and, you know, with a familiar drummer. Do you have kind of templates and stuff that you go through? So I'm guessing um, I'll start with PJ because PJ's in the room. And I can flick to him. Do you? I mean, do you have to deal with live drums much? I mean, is that something that you? Not so much these days. Um, definitely in the past,
1: I've dealt with a lot of live drums. Um, there was no template in terms of in terms of mixing a live drum kit. Um, it all is down to what is the actual artistic goal or the sound that you're going for in that particular mix for that particular song for that particular drummer, that particular kit in that particular room. Right. Um, I mean, obvi- so
0: do you find it was like almost you almost had to reinvent the wheel every time?
1: Well, no, it's it, not so much. I mean, y- you know, roundabout where certain frequencies exist in the drums themselves, even you know, even from kit to kit, um, you know. So if you if you want to take a little beef or add a little beef to a snare. Um, you know that you're leech- you're reaching for some you know for some low mids and to add some snap you're going for certain frequencies in the high mid r- mid range that kind of thing so that's there's no real guesswork there it's just it's just a matter of uh, of kind of zoning in on the spot um, and then it's just what whatever the tools are available mm. in that particular studio for. Um, you know, shaping and sculpting. What- I'm, ge- I'm
0: guessing it becomes more. It's actually more the case that you can template things up now that we work. At, you know, a lot of us are working in the doorland, so you sure. can actually just kind of go. This is where I start from. These are all my favorite. You know, I've got some buses set up that I can sure. parallel process and all that. kind And of to bit.
1: that point, I do do that now uh, with the not live drums that I use often to 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 write. You know, or to, to sketch out ideas, or even for final projects. So I use a lot of the um, BFD and the Superior Drummer products. Um, I tend to make my own templates with those because you for,
0: can treat them as as a multi-track. Yeah, and, and they, I do. Right.
1: Yeah, and so I, I don't usually use anything that's built into those those um, particular products in terms of of um, mixing the drums. I'll just. Bust them out on separate buses, set up templates, set up a a quick go-to and then adjust as needed for the particular piece of music. So I'll have templates for for doing anything from jazz to to rock to heavy metal to drum and bass, that kind of thing. So
0: that's that's the way I work. That's interesting. I mean, I think um, before I go on, and um, I know Rich has probably got something to add to this. this. is part of the DSP project, and this is Mike Hillier, and uh, apparently he's the Pro Tools guy for Music Tech magazine and seems to know what he's doing. I mean, although I think he's using, uh, I see, what was he using there? It looked like a kind of LE system, but I don't suppose that really matters much anyway. It's, it's kind of irrelevant these days. Um, Rich, I mean, you're a Pro Tools guy. I would say you are the Pro Tools guy. Do you find that you um, that you are doing the same kind of thing yourself? and And, you know, you start from a point, and, and then build out from there. So you, you almost get a kind of fluid template. So you start, with, you, know, you start where you left off last time if you're perhaps working in a similar production uh, setup, or do you like to start from scratch? Every time.
3: Okay. It's a new day every day. I can do it better today than I did it yesterday.
0: That's an interesting point, because that's the one thing I always find when I'm going through templates, and particularly in video, I go, right, okay, now I need to do a new template because I've learned something since last time.
3: Oh, I will incorporate things that I learn along the way, of course. But um, no, it's uh, uh, no, I start from what I'm listening to now, not what I was listening to then. And I don't assume what worked there will work here. Of course, the aesthetic I'm going to bring to it is going to be the same, but the, the, it depends on what I'm dealing with. First of all, if it's drums I recorded, it's one set of behaviors. And if it's drums other people recorded, it's can I twist them into what I would have done in order to do the set of behaviors I like to do. Uh-huh. Um, so he ha- conceptually start, He's there's so much he did that I would never do. <laughs> and there's so much about the way they were recorded that would never be what I recorded.
0: Well, it's kind that, of a personal um, thing, I suppose. But...
3: but fundamentally, he started from the right place, which is the mics further away. Now, in his case, he started with room mics. I tend to start with the overheads. I tend to make my kit in the overheads first and use close mics as spot and frequency boosting mics so that the drums will speak more naturally. But I use the room a lot. And I think that what I used to tell people, and I still believe very strongly is that what you're really recording is not the thing, but the air around the thing. And so the first thing you have to create is the sound of the air around the thing that makes it sound like what it is. And then you go to the individual things. And so procedurally, he was sort of down the right path. He started with the distant mics. Then he opened up his overhead mic, which was in mono, at which point I was looking for my gun. And, um, <laughs> and then he started soloing kick mics with the room mic open, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, and then his kick mic sounded like crap. Now, I don't know if he recorded any of that, but um, he was going about doing the right things at each step in the process. It's just that what he was dealing with was not what I would have hoped to have been dealing with particularly with mono overheads. That's a killer to me.
0: Uh, I just want to point out, there's a, a good one from Tim Glasgow, uh, I guessing it is T Glasgow in the chat room. Uh, the international oh, Mr. Tim. Pro Tools beauty pageant would be quite a spectacle. <laughs> I like the idea of that. Um, well, uh, I don't right. know why, I just like, I like that. <laughs> international Mr. Pro Tools beauty pageant is almost, I, I think I might have to uh, flag that for a possible show <laughs> title. I think that's got a, just got a great <laughs> ring to it there. Thank you very much, Mr. Tim. I'm just going to uh, paste that into the show notes.
1: You'll have to get the professor back to host that. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah.
3: So um, Now, Tim, if you keep doing that, I'm going to lose my breath. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you, you still got a bad chest there, Rich? No, I've got it anew. Oh, got sorry to hear that. I got I'm pretty in it. But that's, but, quite, uh, that's quite interesting also, what, um, what PJ was saying about using uh, stuff like uh, BFD drums, which is essentially multi-track drum samples, and treating them in the same way as you would... Do a kit? Do you find yourself doing that at all, Rich? Absolutely, not not occasionally, almost all the time. Do you use the uh, in- inbuilt mixing stuff, or do you tend to bust it out and do it all? You know, I the- bust
3: it all into Pro Tools, and I treat it like it's a live drum kit. Yeah. Each 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 uh, mic on its own channel, and each you know pair of mics into their own things, and uh, and I deal with them as I would deal with a normal drum kit. Both using BFD and using Addictive Drums, both of which allow you to do this. Hmm, and, interesting. Uh, But in general, whether I'm recording them or playing them back, I start from my overheads. And I've noted along the way some very, very distinguished and wonderful gentlemen, engineers, who uh, I have observed doing, at least conceptually, that same thing.
0: Okay, well, that's a pretty good way to start. I mean, uh, Dave, uh, how about yourself? Are you, uh, I mean, I guess you probably don't find yourself dealing with live drums all that often, but what about BF I know you use BFD and, uh, and that side of things. I mean, is that it's a similar approach, right?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I don't actually, I don't uh, deal with drums at all. In fact, I was privileged enough to have people deal with them for me, which was always really good because it was like, I can bugger off, go and have a ciggy, <laughs> Come back, and most of it was set up, which was a kind of which is, with hindsight, it was a huge luxury, really. Yeah. Well, I remember. Uh,
0: I think uh, we way back in the past we did a, a shootout between uh, BFD TD twenty and a Ludwig kit, all played by Clive Diemer who's uh, a, an internationally mm. renowned drummer. I and that. I re- and I remember sitting in with Steve Evans, who's a great engineer, and he mic'd the kit up and showed us how he. Did it, all. and I've done it in, subsequently in the past, just recording drums, and it's I just I never I just never know how to do that, and then also build up a kind of exciting board mix to kind of get the juices flowing at the same time as as so, so not only tracking it but sort of semi mixing it so that it becomes. Uh, a, an exciting sound to play to for everybody else and that, that's just a, a real kind of and there are um, I mean same you know when I used to do a lot of live stuff you know you'd kind of I'd always have a lot of starting points with signal paths and what I do to to get a, a manageable kit sound for live and I'm sure I'd probably do the same now I mean one thing I have been using a lot and I know that um, everybody <laughs> I seem to point them at are the audio damage plugins mm-hmm. uh, which are really uh, a monster for, for I mean they're, they're they're very sculpting, You know, they're not subtle. They're, dynamic. Uh, if you want to sound like the meters.
1: What is the name of that compressor that they have that, oh, that's just over the top?
0: Uh, I'm trying to remember now. I should know, but I haven't actually got it uh, to hand. Uh, let me see if I can fire up the... Uh, I'm sure someone in the chat room will be able to tell yeah, us. Um, it's
1: great if you want your drums to sound very Nine Inch Nails, very in audio your face.
0: Audiodamage.com. Let's have a look. I can tell you there's... I've got two of them. There's the... Uh, let me see. What is it? The, uh, 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 Oh, I can't find it now. Effect. Well, while
3: you're looking, it's a new one from sound toys called decapitator. That's decapitator. It does, it, it does <laughs> sort Soundtoys. of this kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It's kind yeah. of a distortion plugin that's, uh, based loosely on, uh, several famous, um, mixing desks. And oh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah,
0: Uh, I'm rough rider pro, which sounds that's a little it. bit like a, um, something else. And something ha! called Combinat, which is uh, a sort of multiband filter. That's the one I've been using, the the, the, the multi-band distortion filter thing. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, if you if you're looking, Rough Rider, that's it. Rough Rider Pro. I, oh, maybe I haven't got Rough Rider Pro. Maybe it's just Rough Rider. I forget which, but uh, jolly good. Anyway, I mean, I I just thought this was a kind of cool concept, and I'd quite like to do some more of these things. You know, someone's got a, a, a kit up and ju- or just fire. it. Up. I mean, it, I still find these kind of session session explores. Still really interesting. I mean, do they? Do, I mean, Rich, you've probably kind of, you know, you do it every day, all day for hours. I mean, this is, do you find it fascinating or is it kind of just like, do you, yeah?
3: Which mixing in No, protest? no, no, I don't
0: mixing. I mean, watching other people, how other people do it and just seeing how they use that, how their setup works and that kind of thing.
3: In, I always learn something, first of all. Even when they're doing absolutely nothing like I would do it, I always learn something. Um, so to that extent, yeah, I like to see other people work. Sometimes I don't need to see them work for more than five minutes, but uh, other times I'd like to spend the day. Does that answer? That does, yeah.
0: I don't know. I find it. Dave, you kind of, do, you get, do you get the thrill from seeing how other people work? I mean, I don't know. I think there's a sort of element of me because I'm not really formally trained. I just think maybe I'll see if – because I'll be able to find out whether I'm doing it properly or doing it like other people rather than just some weird-ass way that's completely wrong. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no, there's an element of that. But there's this moment where, with a really good engineer, there's this moment where it just kind of comes together and you go, wow. But there's an awful lot of tedium beforehand sometimes that I haven't really got the patience for. But it's no different to other people watching the back of my head as I'm doing some programming in their studio.
0: Yeah. So, anyway, that DSP, uh, it's the DSP project. uh Hold on, I've got to get my notes about too many mice. So, I need to go back to this mouse. Uh Mike Hillier and I think there are presumably going to be other um st- there's other ones in the series coming and other ones in the past i didn't actually see where they were, which was perhaps a bit remiss of me and my usual slap dash uh, approach to uh, last minute research i apologize once again um right then uh what do we got next oh uh, did anyone see this the uh the new imogen heap let's have a look see we can we a quick look at that. I won't go for the whole thing here because um, we've we've covered this in some depth before. I just really wanted to kind of revisit the project after, you know, we saw the first one and we were kind of excited by the whole collaborative process and thought, wow, this is really cool. But obviously the second song has come along and I must admit, I only noticed it was happening (laughs) or it only kind of got my attention when it was finished. And I just wonder whether or not that's an indicator of, you know, just how much time we're spare we're prepared to spend investing in uh, a collaborative artist project like this you know i'm not de- decrying it at all but you know the first one was obviously you know major impact second one yeah it's kind of like yeah just i want to hear it when it's finished and how do you feel did uh, did w- were you watching this Dave? because i know you actually um, participated in the last one
2: <laughs> which is fair enough Um, No, I just thought the process was really fascinating. I was more fascinated by the video on this because I was like, so has she done that then? Because it strikes me that all of her, a lot of her stuff at the minute is being done by people donating their services or their time and whatnot, except this looked like a really expensive video.
0: Did shot in her garden. I can tell you a little bit about it. Uh, oh. It was collaborator Nick Ryan and Heap. Uh, oh no, that's the uh, audio guys. I don't know who did the video. I didn't uh, put that down. But the thing that was quite interesting about this is the collaborative process suggested spaces and environments, and there's a lot of sound design and sounds in there. And they what they did is they um, they took impulses from a lot of spaces and process her voice with them at key points in the song and you can hear that really effectively at various points yeah. i mean if you listen to it i mean it's all online so you would be able to hear it and that that was something that really kind of blew me away uh, and it, you know she uses that sort of really hard cut vocal sound changes quite a lot uh, and uh, to great effect and it, it was just another interesting way of doing it but it was just interesting i thought that the process was of less interest to me this time i don't know if if uh, if you felt the same at all pj
1: Um, I, yeah, I was unaware of it altogether until you you sent the show notes. Um, I think that it's, it's probably something that, um, keeps her hardcore fan base extremely interested and interactive with her. And that seems to be something that's very important to her. And obviously something that's very important to the future of artists today is to have that ongoing dialogue, that ongoing conversation with your fans. And this is a really interesting way of um of involving them directly in the creative process i think it's also a way to to increase the fan base because you'll get uh... god sorry
0: that's not my phone hey (laughs) (laughs) i I win (laughs) i win (laughs) this week i win mine'll go next Uh, yeah no i I, i think you're right i i mean but it's it's interesting that I mean, I'm not. I suppose I'm not a hardcore fan of of her, so maybe I just wasn't thinking. I must, you know, check my calendar to make sure that uh, I can be involved in this next one.
1: Right. Well, and you're also busy. Um, I think that there's probably there's probably a contingent anyway of her hardcore fans that aren't quite as busy. I mean, uh, teenagers and you know, early twenty somethings and people that have a little more disposable time on their hands can get can get involved. And then those that really feel. Uh, that it's important to them, we'll schedule it, I suppose. Yeah.
0: You know. um, as you had in the chat room, uh, always one for a good quote. Uh, to be honest, I don't know who to check out any more of these electronic woolly girls. There were just so many, it's becoming a, a, too much of a genre. Sorry for the generalization. But yeah, I, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I think she's probably the primo uh, version of, you know, this particular, a genre starter. I know, Rich, did, you, did this um, come into your radar, or was this the first time that you actually uh, uh, were aware that the second song in the series was coming?
3: It was the first notice I'd had of the second song. I'm, in general, aware of her process and what she's been doing and been following along somewhat. And I quite like Imogen in general, but I found this track to be extremely distracted in its presentation of some of those background sounds while she's telling the story, thus making the story seem utterly insignificant to me. There's my phone. Hey! <laughs> Would you please say hello to Mrs. Bat for us all? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> and ask her if it's a loaf of bread or a quart of milk this time.
2: Ah. Uh. That's oh. Imogen Heap on the phone. <laughs> That's yeah, Imogen
3: right. Heap calling. What did he just say? About she said, how dare you? How very dare you? She has, she has the entire world Distracted. bugged. <laughs> how could you? <laughs> yes, I found yeah. it all, very much of it, very distracting. And only some of it was constructive to me in terms of the uh, improvement of the story being told which to me is why you write songs. Is I, I
0: mean, I must admit, I was wondering whether or not there was an element of the, the committee about it, which kind of just dis- made the focus less than is usually there on her work, where she's kind of the sole uh, instigator and, arbit- you know, and, and writer and what have you.
3: Well, here's what I think happened. They got to a point in the process where they basically had the record done and she had 50 sounds left to insert. And uh, decided that she was going to try to cram as many of those bad boys in there as she could before she ruined the thing. And she and I just disagree about where that happened.
0: <laughs> that is a very succinct description of, uh, of your point of view. I like that, Rich. Very well put. You. But then again,
1: you yeah. can argue that the – sort of the fulcrum point of the artistic expression in this type of collaborative process is really the process itself and not the end result. I mean, the, the other, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. Well, in that case, let's all go to Imogen's house. Yeah, well, I, that, well, that would be wonderful. I mean, she does the same thing with these sort of live, it's not the same. It's a, it's a different process entirely, but it's, it, it, I, I feel it kind of has the same result. She does these live improvisations that she then sells on iTunes for charity. Uh, for local charities as she 's traveling the world, and I think most of them are kind of, are unsuccessful as pieces of music in their own right and yet the audience at, at these shows seem very, very engaged in the process of her making these things live um, and so hey uh, it's it seems to be more about the process than it is about the end result.
0: I, th- I think that's another very well put point, actually. Uh, but interesting. I mean, uh, I'm guessing that, as with any album, there are going to be high points and low points. And you know, the the first one, I don't remember the music at all of the first one, but I remember the process and was quite excited by it. So maybe you know, the the uh, the music will take over more, come more to focus at a certain point. It'll have a more uh, tangible direction because it'll have a, a bigger body of work, sort of pushing it along in the right direction. And in some way there was another one of these yeah the, this this is the second yeah. track <laughs> <I know>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. oh you devil <laughs> um right uh let me see then i suppose it's uh, probably time to say uh, say a word from our sponsors i'm going to flip into beautiful uh, flyby mode and i'm going to uh, show you a lovely picture of the uh Yamaha N12. There, this is the hybrid mixer from uh, Yamaha. It's uh, analog console with uh, N-class mic preamps. Uh, Characterised, it's got sweet spot morphing compressor, advanced integration with Cubase. It's also got FireWire audio interface, 24-bit 96k, fully integrated pro-level monitoring suite, auxiliary sends for artist and uh, external monitoring, dry-wet monitoring control. Uh, high Z input for guitar, bass recording, a wide-ranging musical EQ. Now, obviously, um, what Yamaha would like you to do is go and check it out because, I mean, you can look at this wonderful picture if you're watching the video stream and think, oh, that looks nice, I'll buy one. But obviously, that would be a crazy way to make a choice. You would have to go to a store. Go to a store. Go If you go to YamahaDownload.com or YamahaSynth.com and find the Pulse stores in the UK, which are the sort of larger Yamaha store-within-stores in some of the largest music stores where you should be able to get your hands on one of these, feed some audio through it, try a mic, See what the compressors are like. I mean, you can use them, obviously, for tracking or um, firewire returns, however you want to do it. Uh, and same in the U.S. Uh, get down to a store and try them out. And tell them we sent you. And then um, this beautiful arrangement will stay on forever. And I know, PJ, uh, you, you, you are saying that you've got the Steinberg interface, which you've got the same mic preamps, right?
1: I do. It has um, the same A to D converters and microphone preamps in it.
0: And uh, yeah. pr- no, sounds, sounds pretty- you're saying you're sounding pretty good.
1: And the DAX are the same as well, I believe, yeah. Um, they sound really, really good, actually, yeah. Yeah, cool. at that price point, can't beat it.
0: Excellent. Well, uh, once again, thank you very much to the sponsor. Head over to YamahaDownload.com, YamahaSynth.com, and uh, check them out, and we'll, um, we'll be able to. Uh, uh, Kiwi Steve keeps putting our phone number in the chat room. <laughs> He's put U- the U.S. phone number and the U.K. one. And I'm not, I, I mean, uh, you prankster. Uh I suppose we have to give him some leeway because he is up at an, an earthly hour in the morning in uh, in New Zealand at the moment. But uh, if the phone goes again, I'll know who to blame. Grr, what I order? So uh, what's next? Let's see what the next topic is. Uh, 225, uh, Sound Prism. Now, I'm just going to go and get something here because I have uh, I downloaded the app. But in the meantime, I will play... Uh, let me see the Sound Prism. Oh, yes, I'll play this this trailer first.
3: Hi, I'm Sebastian. I'm one of the founders of Alanica, and I'd like to show you version 2.0 of Sound Prism and Sound Prism Pro. We've been working on it for the last six months, and um, as a result, we've come up with a solution that offers you a lot more um, space to uh, play in, as you can see here. Uh, we've redesigned the uh, iPad version to be similar to the former iPhone version and uh, we've come up with a mechanism to hide some features but in a way that still allows you easy access to them.
0: Right, I'm not again going to play the whole thing, you can see that on YouTube, but that is uh, the Sound Prism 2.0 from Audenaca. Um there's a pro version, a free version, I've actually downloaded the free version here uh, and it's, an, it's just an interesting um, take on how, you know, it's, again, it's another one of these things that allows you to play in a specifically different way than there's a standard keyboard input. So I think, PJ, you were saying it was, uh, what was it, thirds and sixths?
1: Yeah, you have um, octaves moving this way along the prism. Let's see. Right. Yep. And then a sixth, a third drop down. Sixth. It's interesting. I, 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 I'm I not exactly certain um, why that particular layout, but I suppose once you get used to it, um, it would be uh, fun to muck around with.
0: That's very diplomatically Rich, put there. <laughs> well, Rich may
1: have had more experience with it. Uh, I know. Have you, have you
0: tried it? Uh, you're, you're a man with an iPad. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I wonder, you know, all these kind of alternative input methods. I mean, is... What would it have to be to kind of make you go, you know what, I'll actually try that. That's pretty cool. I mean, because I know um, uh, Jordan Rudess, for instance, is always looking at different ways to play. And I've seen some really interesting input methods. And if you play, if you, if you spend the time to actually kind of learn how to get something from it. And the other thing that's interesting about uh, Sound Prism is it will output MIDI control data as well. So you can use this to output to over MIDI, over Wi-Fi and USB MIDI. Well,
1: it's interesting that you ask that. I mean, it, for me, nothing beats the standard keyboard. It just, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I've spent decades with it. I, I love it, um, understand it, and feel that I, I don't require necessarily a, a jogging of, of, of the input in order to be able to come up with, with ideas or generate ideas. But if if you're looking for something that kind of turns me on as an alternative controller, is something like the Chaos later, I really, really have a lot of fun playing with that.
0: So There's a more simple gestures and easier to kind yeah. It.
1: Yeah, it's just it's really fun. If you if you wanted to get really really into it, I don't know the Hakam Hakam controller that yeah. thing that thing Continue. yeah Continuum that that looks really really interesting. I've never had my hands on one, but it might be really really interesting to play. If you had the time and the energy to learn a new instrument to its depth, something like the Eigenharp looks really cool. But this kind of thing where you're laying out things on a grid, it's never really done much for me personally.
0: Uh, Rich, I saw you uh, thumbs up and smiling and, and, and raising a toast to some of those sentiments. I mean, there must be, you know, I mean, obviously you are a keyboard player primarily, and, you know, that's your kind of preferred... Uh, and one that you've invested all the time and effort learning into. I mean, is there no um, uh, kind of way that you, that you would find something uh, like this, or, you know, or an equivalent? Have you not found anything along the way you think, oh, actually, that's kind of cool. That's an interesting take on how to input, you know, musical data. Because, I mean, after all, as you've said in t- uh, before in, in the past with just, you know, playing keyboards rather than piano, it's kind of like, it's, you know, it's a musical typewriter in some respects. It's just a method of inputting uh, data.
3: Mm-hmm. i would have to concur with almost every syllable pj just uttered uh as there i'm of two minds on this on one, on the one hand i think anything that makes music available to people who don't otherwise have a medium through which to perform it is a good thing and, and to the extent that this might inspire somebody to be creative musically who couldn't find their way around a keyboard or a guitar or any of that and really didn't have any clue as to what the mechanics are. And he keeps saying during the demo videos, you know, you don't really have to know this, but if you just sweep your hands across here and all, and so the guy who like wants to get people involved in music all the time that's inside of me, uh, thinks that's a really nice thing. And then the other guy, the guy who represents me as a musician says, learn music. That's my response to this. Learn music. Play it. Don't <laughs> pretend to play it. Don't wish you could play it. Don't talk about other people who can play it as though you can too. Learn music. Oh, and that was my two. That's my two-word review. Two. <laughs> so no, I wasn't motivated. I wasn't motivated by his videos to download this thing and play with it.
0: Well, Shane King says in the chat room, I have a friend who can actually play the eigenharp. So there you know somebody cool. Oh, very good. That's cool, Dave. How about you? I mean, you know, I'm guessing as a drummer, um, you've probably had all sorts of weird and wonderful ways of hooking up drum pads, controllers, and what have you. I mean, you can play keys as well. Uh, is there somewhere between the two that you can kind of think, you know what, well,
2: I'll, try, I'll try something like this? Mm, I, I think the thing that put me off of this is that it wasn't endorsed by Jordan Rudess. <laughs> Are you
0: sure? I'm pretty sure wow. I've seen him do a couple of videos wow.
2: featuring this because it's,
0: it, it's it's pretty good for shredding
3: but the next time uh, you
0: see an imposter in his
3: rig, you'll
2: be eating your words. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I, I, to, I have to be really honest. I didn't um, get a chance to check this out. I'm sorry.
0: That's all right. That's no problem. I, I mean, just generally the, I'm, I'm thinking sort of in general terms, how, what would it take, you know, cause there's a lot of these things. There's, there's this, this kind of lateral and linear motion, uh, input is, is not only, you know, uh, Happening on the iPad. There's the Roger L instrument. You know, there's a couple of other things which are sort mm-hmm. of, uh, which are starting to come along. Well, I'm not sure what that other thing which looks like um, the uh, uh, it's kind of honeycomb hex hex key oh, yeah, thing. I've I forgot what that. that's called. So I mean, you know, there's a number of these things going. I mean, what is it that I don't know? What is it that kind of attracts you to it or one to it, and not necessarily you?
2: It's what? just the idea that you approach things in a different manner. I think. I mean, that's what I like about a lot of these alternative controllers. But you tend to, what I've found is that, I mean, I really like the hacking continuum and I've actually tried to persuade Chris here to sign a check at least twice. (laughs) Um, But there's, with a lot of these things, you kind of reach this plateau, this sort of point where you kind of can't really go any further with it. And sometimes I'm kind of going back to that school of actually, if I spent all this time, Getting my chops together and doing some serious practice on a real keyboard, then I might actually um, stop disappearing up various cul de sacs and do something that will benefit me over a longer period of time.
0: Disappearing up your own cul de sac. That's another <laughs> show title, I think. I'm just going <laughs> to uh, hold on. Uh, disappear. Hold on. Disappearing up your own cul de sac. Yeah, I'm with you. I. I... I like the idea of it. And when I see someone else playing something like this fluently, I think, ooh, does that mean it's easy? Or does that mean, you know, it's the person who really knows what they're doing? I mean, it's the in the same way that you must find you get it, you know, I mean, like I'm, I'm currently looking at the Imposca 2 and obviously you know it inside out because you made it. It's the same sort of syndrome, isn't it? There's this kind of like well, not because i obviously you don't have to play the instrument with a weird interface. If you see what I mean, I talked myself into a cul-de-sac right there, didn't I? Um, hey. <laughs> but the um, I mean the the idea of the the idea of it seems to appeal to a lot of people. Otherwise, we wouldn't get these eigenharps. We wouldn't get this stuff, and people wouldn't um, see things.
3: This isn't an eigenharp, and it's not an imposter. It's right. more like the easy guitar feature in GarageBand. Yep yeah and i actually like the easy guitar feature better quite frankly but this isn't horrible and some people might find it useful as a controller and you know lord knows it's only going to be a little time before you go into a club and some guy's waving this thing around in the room and playing something interesting on it
0: that's one finger right there randomly just placed around the place could be a hit one day that Maybe.
3: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe Hits have been be. made out of less, for sure.
0: Sounds a bit like a trance line, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. No, you see, PJ, I haven't got it. That sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of that in the <laughs> <clip>, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stick to the road. Stick to the road. No, it's, I, I think it's got what I like. <laughs> I mean, and this stuff. is the same thing. that um, this, And this is another instance, because I was, when I was playing with the modular system, messing with the voicings and the octaves and the inversions just playing chords and so the cycling and the inversion was kind of wrong and and going about all over the place i found that really interesting because it was unpredictable i didn't you know i guess i didn't really know have to know what i was doing i mean i knew what the chords i was playing
1: i think that's how you originally got trance lines in the first place (laughs) for some of those keyboards in the in the early 90s that that were already programmed to fifths and and chords and whatnot people were just hitting them and Coming up with different chord progressions and then burying them in their in their electronic music. Actually, tracks. I
0: think uh, I th- as far as I understand it, what actually also happened is people sample chords. So when sure. you play, so you play the chord on a one note thing, so you get that kind of thing going sure. on. So that's that's the sort kind of, of the same of, thing. The class, yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, it's, it's the same kind of deal.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, okay, then. So that's basically. A, but but what we do have in the background here, we've got a Jupiter six. We've got a. Uh, let me see. I can i I can swing the camera around a little bit we've got the uh oh no that's not swinging it around that's doing something complete we've got the imposter controller and uh there I set these all up in uh, in your honor oh. p j because I knew you were kind of a pianist, especially the piano i got the uh i did make some very strange oh. noises uh when I turned it on but it's quite safe i've had the <laughs> there's nothing metal facing you, so as long as you know okay. you kind of Put your feet in a bucket of water while you're playing it. You should be quite 220
3: safe. over there PJ. 220. 240. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: 240. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nothing but the best for for my American visitors. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're not just going to injure you. <laughs> we, want to, we want it to be permanent. Yeah. Yeah. Delicate crunch. <laughs> <laughs> going
0: to be toasted to a delicate crunch. But it's, I, I mean, oh, I, I, the uh, yes, anyway, I, I just thought I'd mention that just because because um, those are more your more traditional instruments. And, uh, and I'm sure we could probably talk PJ into uh, playing a few notes on the outro just to sort of
2: uh, yes. enjoy the
0: Wurlitzer. Although I have to say the Wurlitzer is a little bit out of tune. If you play the top two Ds, no, not the D sharp. Forget. Oh
1: yeah.
0: It's not quite there, is it? No. Nope. That's so. Uh, uh, this D sharp's out. The D sharp doesn't work. Yeah, uh, there's that too. So don't play anything with D sharp in it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we'll do. Subst- substitute the D sharp <laughs> for that controller thing. And the chat <laughs>
0: room want you to play a note on the Jupiter 6 as well. Okay. Oh yeah, that's my um That's the kind of like uh, left field sound I made on it a long time ago.
1: Shall I play Dave's synth as well? Oh yeah, come on, let's have that too.
0: Right. right. Now let's see. I'm going to flip that. Uh, That's that one. Does sound nice, doesn't it? Sure does. Good work, Dave. Right, And so, you're no slouch either, PJ. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank you for the, thank you for the playing. Um, right, so what's the next topic? Let's have a look. Uh, That's so why
2: I'm speechless. I was just looking at this
0: next topic. The dental <gasps> robot. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering whether or not to play because it, it's really, really disturbing. And, and people have accused me of um, all sorts of ulterior motives for this. But this is, I mean, occasionally we... In the history of... Uh, the Sonic Talk podcast. We've also brought out these kind of odd robotic kind of uh, topics. And this has got to be the weirdest one I've ever seen. I think I will play it just because um, you, people should see it for some reason.
2: Showa University has announced Showa Hanako II, a robot dental patient, <laughs> fabricated by robot maker Tamzak. <laughs> Compared with its predecessor, Showa Hanako 1, this robot is designed to be more realistic, functional, and easier to use. Showa Hanako 2 will actually be sold by the dental supply company, the Yoshida Dental Manufacturing. The main features of the new robot are a silicone skin and mouth lining by Orient Industry, a maker of love dolls. (laughs) The tongue and arm. I'm sorry.
0: This where he says I make it off love dolls. I just uh, yeah, that's where I had to turn it off. But it's a really well I don't know if anyone else saw this, but it's Love just, dolls who I, can bite. It has absolutely no relevance to music technology whatsoever. I'd just like to point out what am I doing? I'm just trying to get PJ there we go, PJ's back in the back in the frame. <laughs> I've, made, I've just put the camera back on him after he's kind of the, the shocked look on his face has, has left us, but <laughs> kind of weird robotics. I suppose you've got to have to, you've got to have to do this kind of thing from time to time to teach. dent. I mean, where else are you going to learn dentistry apart from on unsuspecting humans? Anybody got, care to comment or should we move swiftly on?
1: Yeah. Well, my, <laughs> <laughs> my wife works at, at the school, um, the medical school at the university near where I live. And, um, the organization that she works for one aspect of it is to run these types of simula- simulations and so they have medical robots that can bleed that can pus it's that it can spit up it's it's pretty it's pretty gross it's pretty fascinating but it, it's very very realistic
0: I guess I mean but I guess that whole thing you know that side of that side of it is and so you want simulation yep. Uh, you can't always find the right sick people for. for they can <laughs> they
1: can defecate and urinate. It's oh! fantastic. All, all the most wonderful aspects of humanity are brought out in these in
0: these robots. Oh man! Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, um, if anyone, uh, Dave, have you got anything to add to that, or are you kind of speechless?
2: I don't. I don't think I should really. It would be too <laughs> obvious, wouldn't it? It would be kind of well, <laughs> too predictable. <laughs>
0: The bit that really, the bit that really freaked me out was when they take—they've just got the actual face, and it reminded me of Blade Runner, the replicant thing, where they take the, you know, and it's just this sort mm. of dangling kind of latex. Thing. It just looks.
1: Dave, were you wondering if they were going to add this functionality to version two of their love dolls?
2: <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, it just reminds me of some, yeah, dolls I have here. But these ones don't have teeth. Same expression. (laughs) But let's not go there. Let's not. Oh!
0: oh, No, I don't But I've never seen those, Dave. I wouldn't believe for a minute. Right. I am going to I don't know
3: what's behind that red thing over his head, except a couple of Oberheim modules.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Well, you've never been there. I've been there, and I've definitely not seen any latex um, business going on.
3: Yeah, well, I understand Uh, he's got a pretty extensive garage. He
2: hides it well.
0: It's the basement you want to watch out for. (laughs)
2: I see. Yes. <laughs> Don't go into the basement. Right,
0: um, before we get onto really dangerous territory, I'm going to uh, hit up... The, this is the... Uh... I found this on disquiet.com. This is the music of fireworks, which I thought was kind of... I originally had this for um, the July the 4th, which was last week, which was the. the but I'm, we didn't get around to it because we were having such fun because last week was such a fun show. I really did enjoy myself, as is this week, of course. Um, and this was some, just some interesting tracks that were made with the sound of fireworks. If I play a couple, we can probably hear. Uh, this is by the fireworks by UK-based Zama Zama Valentine. Use the explosion as a downbeat below a sparse, chiming melody. It's a bit like uh, Carolyn Bell's On Some Massive Bombardment. It's a great drop, isn't it? I like the idea of this sort of found sound... uh, to create an entire track, so you don't actually deviate from the the sounds that you've got. You know, there's nothing else going on there. I mean, have you ever? Because I mean, sound design, PJ. I imagine you know you've probably had a couple of concepts where you've had to create something from almost. You know, it's almost like this. This, this is the product we want to promote. We want to use sounds only made by this product. I mean, has that ever come come at you as a brief?
1: No, um, no, it hasn't actually. Um, but I have, I have definitely done that. Where I've taken one single sound source, you know, be it um, just a regular uh, oscillator or uh, a sample or something like that and attempted to make an entire piece of music out of just that one sound source, um, you know, to to varying the results varied. My, to my own estimation, I mean, sometimes I really liked it and other times I thought, well, that's crap. I just spent a day wasting <laughs> a lot of time manipulating sounds. But no, you I mean, you always learn something about, about the sound manipulation process when you do that and about your tools and how, how deep they go and what you can do with them. Yeah, so it's, it's really fun. It's a really great exercise. Absolutely.
0: I think that's probably a good exercise to do. I mean, uh, Dave, you've probably done this. I, I'm sure we've spoken before of sound design stuff you've done where you've taken sounds and sort of, you know, done a lot of work on them. Have you done it where you've tried to restrict yourself to like a, one sound or sound from a specific object or event or anything like that?
2: No, but I do quite like the idea of this. And some of these examples were really quite intriguing. I'm... Um, um, I've moved away from synthesis in the last week, and I've moved into samples, and so I'm sort of exploring this whole area kind of between now and a uh, couple of months, really. Hmm. Can't so say any more than is that.
0: A, but- is a sort of gran- I mean, I suppose granular and all that, you know, it sounds like, you know, as we've talked about granular before, you know, that's opened up an enormous... Large kind of gateway into into some of some new ways of using found sounds that uh, perhaps weren't available to us. I mean, I remember the days when you know I got my first DAT and a stereo mic, and I went out to the uh, you know out into the country when I was doing sort of you know back in the days of the Atari and the S one thousand, and uh, and didn't actually ever um, come up with anything of any use whatsoever. But now I feel I probably could. Yeah. given given yeah. The, the tools that are now available
1: I think spectral processing of all kinds is is really great for doing this kind of thing you know mm. I mean even taking something like isotopes um, new product which we've talked about that does audio restoration and playing around with something like that with with sounds is really really fun where you can go in and kind of zoom zoom in on on certain frequency bands visually and isolate them or just extract certain parts of you know the frequency spectrum of a sound and play around with that, or additive synthesis. When you when you can actually uh, break a sound down into its spectral components and then start playing around with those, it's it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: Interesting. And uh, in the chat room, Shane King, uh, electro dash music.com has a project like this right now, making music out of field recordings. So that's something to check out. I know, Rich, I mean, mm. you know, we, we've spoken to you before, where, you, you know, you've used certain fan sounds. I mean, is this this kind of, it's an interesting exercise, perhaps, to sort of try, just to completely take you out of the the kind of usual music production tools and just use, you know, say, right, here's the sample of a bucket dropping down the stairs. That's all you've got. Make something. Do you think there's any mileage? You know, would you you bound to learn something from a process like that. I think it's kind of a good... Uh, maybe a good exercise for us all maybe some homework
3: i use a lot of this kind of stuff in my own personal work where i like to use unusual sound sources in rhythms but i should also say that explosions in general and fireworks in particular are not something that really ever interested me to use because the recorded experience of them tends to be very very different from the experience you have when you're actually in the presence of those things so i find them incredibly hard to capture and because of that they always sound a bit like somebody's cracking their knuckles or something they never quite have the 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 kind of pow that you really wanted anyway and so they're not, these are not particularly sounds that interest me to use, and uh, I believe that my sense of them is borne out by the two pieces that attempted to incorporate them that were examples on this thread. However, I respect the people who like them and who have used them, and I saw Shane mention earlier that he, in the chat room that he had used it. I'm sure he used it to good effect. It's just not something... I, I love using found sounds, but these particular sounds don't interest me very much.
0: Do you, do you think that there's uh, is it a key to get the... Sp- Again, is it about the space that the sound is in or the sound itself that tends to work more? Well, actually, when you're recording
3: something like an explosion, you've got the space-to-sound uh, ratio is so huge mm. that it tends to lose its impact unless you're actually there. Yep. It, it, you only... You, you don't really... There's no transducer <laughs> that can do for you with a with a good explosion what your ears can do. It's interesting. And so I find... I find it unsatisfying ultimately to listen to recordings of those things.
0: It's, uh, it's interesting that, uh, sorry, I just saw your Elvis in the chat room, which, uh, denotes the <sighs> yeah. delay coming back. The delay, I must get on that. It's a, uh... One of the things I must try harder. That's cool. I'll continue to remind you. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad you will. Uh, when you see the way that they, uh, particularly there was there was a a, a video which I didn't make it into into this set of topics, but where uh, the making of the sound effects for the latest Michael Bay film which is Transformers Two, and just seeing how they mic'd up like gunshots and all of these things, the amount, the sheer number of microphones and distances and all that, that gave them these huge amounts of uh, acoustic spaces to play with and delays and what have you. I mean, it's the, it's. It's an, a real art form gra- capturing what you can hear because your ears are, are obviously completely different to microphones.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's interesting when you talk to the sound, sound design guys that work on Hollywood films and what they'll do, um, what they'll do um, in order to, to capture a sound. I was talking with one guy that had worked on, um, there was a film that came out in 2007 with Clive Owen in it um, where the whole film is basically just a shoot-em-up chase scene. The, almost the entire thing and he's using throughout the film as well as the people that he's chasing or that are chasing him are using various guns and so there's probably maybe 70, 80 different model of gun being used in this film oh, and so they went and they bought a bunch of cheap I, I'm trying to remember the name of that company I'm sure we would all know but they it's one of those companies that makes their mics in China they look like Neumann's but they cost $60 US and so they went out and bought Hundreds of these things, and they were just using them and shooting at them basically, you know, shooting across them. And they were using them to capture the whiz and the bangs of different bullets out of different caliber weapons, doing this uh, up in the high desert. In Nevada, in order to capture all of that sound and then not worry about their microphone collection being damaged in the process so it's
0: interesting I mean yeah. uh, the process that that they outlined at the beginning of the, the this Michael Bay documentary, I think we put it on the on the site actually um, uh, it was a, a news item, just the, you know they spent. I mean I got the budget of just going to these places and having you know five or six people all you know got the guy shooting the gun the safety guy the mic guy the guy in the recorder you know the you know all of this stuff I mean just the sheer amount of money it takes to film this stuff and there were also other processes like uh, what was it they were doing they were there was something vibrating a piece of metal that just kind of had a sort of resonance that were just like really mind-bogglingly kind of interesting ways of creating sounds and that that is a job that I would dearly love. Actually. Now, now Dave, Dave has
1: some experience with this. He, you, yeah. worked, you worked on the film Sunshine, right, Dave?
2: Yeah, but, I mean, only in a very, very ludicrously limited capacity. That okay. was... I mean, Foley artists are just stunning, but then when you get those together with the right sound design guys, it can be unbelievable. Yeah. Things like... Uh, in fact, it's quite interesting because it almost goes back to that, well, it does goes back to the image and heap thing with the uh, uh, impulse responses. You know, what does, for things like sunshine, Is the questions were we'll raised like, you know, what does the sound of a vacuum sound like? And all of those discussions are really fascinating. And how would that affect a voice or how would that affect the sound of an object? And I find that whole thing... I. I have to say, I do like the idea of going out into the high desert and just firing loads of guns past microphones. <laughs> that sounds like the job for me.
1: <laughs> it does sound like fun, doesn't it?
0: It does sound like fun. In fact, um, actually, maybe this is a good time to play the Google Chrome speed test video, which I've just noticed that that's popped up, because this has kind of got a lot of interesting sounds, including some firing guns. Let me just play that quickly. Uh, or not. There we go. Chrome Browser versus Potato, if you can't read that. So for those not watching in video, the idea is uh, these various speed tests, so how fast does it take for this to happen compared to a page loading Google's Chrome Browser? This is firing a potato out of what looks like a large PVC tube through a slicer. Goes past the screen with the page loading on it, (laughs) which is actually appearing as the pieces of potato have gone through the slicer and now past the screen and into a chip fryer. (laughs)
2: I've only just worked
0: that out. Uh, This is uh, Chrome browser versus sound waves. This one's kind of fun as well. So he's got a speaker with a load of paint and an oscillator. Drops a boot, fires a load of, uh, oh, what's that? That's kind of like um, purple paint to a plastic ear <laughs> suspended just above where the screen and the Google Chrome browser loads again before the paint reaches the ear, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a brilliant, brilliant project, actually. It was really good fun. I found this create digital music. Uh, Joseph Fraioli, a.k.a. Jaffbox, uh, he was charged with, uh, you Doing the sound design to create a feeling of speed, Uh, directed by Aaron Duffy, promoting Google's grown grown browser. But it's the same, you know, the same principle. I mean, that is a job I'd like. Just coming up with right. What does that say? I mean, I've done a little bit of sound design, but only kind of eight bit cartoony world, not kind of proper filmy stuff. Uh, I just, it would just. I mean, I know. It's a shame we haven't got Diego with us because he does this all the time, you know, and he's brilliant at it as well i mean um, you know the stuff that we see from diego is things that he creates to i guess they're his kind of poster frame stuff but i mean he does things for commission as well isn't that right dave
2: yeah 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 absolutely just you know games and film stuff yeah fantastic i don't know it what that fundamental love of it doesn't it it really does i'm quite a big fan of this J- uh, jack box guy he's got this band um the tash <laughs> And there's a couple of albums that I've uh, bought of his, which I really, really like. So it was really, I thought it was really interesting seeing uh, how he'd used some of those elements within this project. but well worth checking out Jackbox Sound is his website well well worth checking out and there's
0: an interview with him on Create Deal with Music where they talk about you know how uh, why this sound because we've talked about this before you know the kind of I want the sound of waterfalls you go and record them and it just sounds like a toilet flushing you know whereas if you record the sound of a toilet flushing it probably sounds like a waterfall you know it's just that sort of the sound that you record of the real thing is not necessarily what people would expect it to sound like. So, I mean, this is the whole kind of key to sound design, isn't it? It's the representation of the sound that's the kind of fun part. Yeah. And I mean, it must be yeah. a very all-consuming process, I'd imagine. Uh, I don't know, Dave, you, uh, sorry, Rich, you've worked on kind of big movies where you've got, have you been present at the dub where they're laying on that kind of stuff and seen how it all kind of fits together? Does it?
3: Or yes, you, I have been present for the final mixes of some of the movies I've worked on. And it's fascinating to me. At the time, of course, this was... It's changed since then because it's been, I don't know, 15 years since I I attended one of those sessions. But uh, at the time, it was this huge team of guys all working together at the same time. Excuse me. Um, Well, of course. The most... Thank you. The most interesting thing about this whole video, and, and it's something that it interested me since I first learned of this when watching a documentary about McDonald's and how they create french fries, is the potato cannon and the slicer. <laughs> <laughs> I think that is just an amazing device and an incredible... I was shocked when I first saw one in that documentary about how McDonald's makes their food. And uh, oh, Is, on, they do it, is that thing. what
0: they do? They fire
3: potatoes through... Yeah, through a cannon. It's a, it's called a potato cannon. No. And, and there's a grid, you know, a, a rectangular grid inside of this circular tube and they fire potatoes through the thing and french fries fall out.
2: Excellent. Fantastic.
3: That, that's... And so these guys obviously know that because they've got the cannon in the grid. Oh, that makes me
0: so much happier watching this film. I think that's there's like another t- show are. title there. Potato cannon. Yeah. <laughs> My God, Rich! I want to. I need to. I need to see that documentary. Do you know what it's called?
3: (laughs) I don't. It was. um, I don't even remember. It was one of the learning. You know, it was either uh, History Channel or Discovery Channel or something. I I don't remember. The Great Potato Cannon.
0: That's just. But, of course, you'll find, yeah, you'll find that your two-two caliber potato cannon is uh, far superior to the... <laughs> All
3: right, so, this. Yes. there's a guy down the road I know who owns a hardware store, and we were having a casual conversation about a month ago, and at some point he happens to mention to me that he owns a potato cannon. No. <laughs> don't, tell, don't even ask me why, and I don't remember the context because it had nothing to do with making french fries. <laughs> but somewhere in the middle of his conversation he comes out with the fact that he owns a potato cannon. I don't know. So maybe I'm, these are far more well widespread than I'd ever dreamed. Is he, Is yeah. he,
0: Are you going to get to see the potato cannon? Have you? And an I suppose
3: I probably could arrange that if uh, I want. Rich, to it yeah.
0: sounds like you know. You it would be one of life's high points for you to actually <laughs> spend some time in the presence of a potato cannon. I can see there's a latent desire for cannonry there. And yet, and yet, I have no desire whatsoever to
3: record the thing.
0: Well, that's okay. Huh? Not even on your iPhone. I, I,
3: I think that's it, not- especially on my iPhone, you know, one day I was standing on Brighton beach and I guess you, you guys from England will know what this is, but, um, Brighton beach is a very uniquely, at least in my experience, pebbly environment. I mean, it is all stones all the way down the beach to the waterline and the sound that the surf was making crashing onto these stones, I found to be fascinating and unique and just marvelous i was i was immediately blown away by it so my friend who'd come some distance mind you to come see Sheik play in brighton that night whips out his phone makes a recording of it and i spent a month or two begging him to send it to me and when he finally did once again it sounded like a bunch of people cracking their knuckles
0: (laughs) that's just the way it goes uh kiwi steve has posted a very valuable link in the uh, chat room which is how to build a potato cannon it's a youtube video i will be putting that in the show notes I think that could be, I'm just liking the idea. But I, 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 that sounds like a good show title. How does, what I want to know is how does it deal with, how do you deal with different sized potatoes? Do you have an expanding, a contracting tube or are there different size apertures for different potatoes? Or do McDonald's only buy potatoes of a certain size? These questions need to be answered. Yeah, we can find out. Yeah. We could find out, couldn't we? But the idea, and the other thing that that strikes me. I mean, can talking you imagine? About a right. So we're talking. We're talking <laughs> just, I want to get this straight. So right, this happened. This happens in McDonald, McDonald's employees. Right, are charged with a device that will fire potatoes <laughs> at high velocity. <laughs> Can you imagine there may be any recipe for abuse going along here? Do you think they've had to... This could be one of the reasons they installed, like, CCTV in the McDonald's potato cannon factory. (laughs)
1: I think that's how they you get scores so and time. scores of pimply teenagers to work there.
0: Yeah, the only reason that you actually end up working at the yeah, McDonald's these, these,
1: these days they're kind of like, no, no, I don't think so. I think I could probably make a slightly better wage. Well, you get to fire the potato cannon. Yeah. Okay, exactly. sign me up. So can
0: I, <laughs> hi, I want a job at McDonald's. I'm going to go down to the local McDonald's and ask if there's a job. But what, how many stars do I need before I'm allowed to access the potato cannon?
3: You have oh, to have so. bankrupted at least three corporations before you got there for that
0: job. That sounds... I, well, I'm on, well on my way to one. <laughs> 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 yes, I, I haven't got far to go. i can certainly manage one. You
1: can use it, but you can only fire it at the Burger King across the street. Wow.
0: <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I, I, I can't think that there's anywhere really to go after that. I mean, that's just, that's just the kind of got to be the end of the show, really. Uh, we're all spuds, as Dave would say, like that. <sighs> Health and safety nightmare, says Tim C in the chat room. Uh, we've got a few titles for the uh, for the chat show, but uh, but for the show, I mean, but feel free to as I, as always drop them into the uh, into the chat room, and uh, we'll peruse them later. Always nice to have uh, the chat rooms input. I feel like uh, we've kind of cornered the market a little bit with our own uh, with our own talking. I think Dave at the moment. Uh, uh, disappearing up your own cul-de-sac is kind of. Uh, it, I'm closely followed by a Potato Can. I'm not sure. Could we'll have to see. But uh, anyway, um, I suppose now we. Should, it just remains to be um, remains for me to um, wrap the show up and uh, say thank you very much to all of our guests. Uh, first of all, I uh, will say well, we'll say goodbye to PJ. PJ's here uh, in the in in the room with us, and well, he's not goodbye. It's goodbye to everybody watching. But we shall spend some. To fun it, do me a
3: favor, give, give us one good shot of PJ before we go here, because I really haven't seen him all show. And uh, Hi. There he is. There we go.
1: It's good to be here. It's fantastic to be here. Uh, thank you so much for having me. A pleasure as always.
0: Nice. Hey, it's all right. You got here under your own steam. Yeah. I, bought, I bought you a sandwich, but I'll definitely buy you supper as well. And Rich, ah. I'd do the same for you. I, you already have. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Dave, i will do the same for you. All right, I gotta move. (laughs) As long as it's McDonald's, and we can go and check out the potato cannon. Try,
3: try to mute your enthusiasm, there, Dave. Dave, I think you
1: need one more light bulb in that room, my friend. Yeah, you're a bit underpowered. Ah, One light bulb short.
0: A bit low on wattage there, Dave. Right, but um, well, we'll say thank you very much to PJ, and then we'll also say thank, thank you to uh, Rich Hilton, who's up there on my right. Thank you very much, Rich. You've got a busy day, week in the studio coming up? or
3: you? Uh... I've got a busy week trying to get my inhaling and exhaling together
0: properly. Uh, but
3: yeah. uh, mm. besides that, I should mention that I'm coming to you today from a brand-new computer.
0: Oh, yes, I and... saw a, a, a link saying you were uploading your life to a new iMac. Yeah, it's true um uh this new you know it's the
3: cat it's the built-in cam and the iMac everything just worked as as well it should it was magnificent really what a great transition and what a nice computer this thing is i've really heard that. thrilled
0: with it i've heard that actually i in fact i i also myself have upgraded the uh, this very laptop to uh, snow leopard with uh with remarkably little problem uh apart from the initial audio unit scan from Logic, where it just threw out a bunch of my ones that were really old, um, which I actually like to use, so I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with that. But, hey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and
2: how about you, Dave? Have you got a new computer? Ha. No, 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 no. Oh, no, hang on. Somebody bought me a PC the other day. Oh, Lord. Um, Yeah, it's an Asus, and it's got the world's... It's got the worst trackpad I think I've ever, ever touched. I and mean, I've seriously contemplated throwing it across the room at least four times. Well. It just doesn't work. It's just like, mm. anyway, yeah, let's not go there.
0: Well, I don't know what to say, but Dave, uh, g4software.com, Rich Hilton, Hiltonius on MySpace and all the other places uh, that you can find uh, a Hiltonius kind of handle. Oh, by the way, we're all on G Plus now. I guess they've opened up the the floodgates, but I still haven't managed to get anybody to join me in a hang. Even though I've said, look, I've got the Imposca 2 here. I- I'm just running it up. I'm never, I've oh, never, i not done one. Oh, I will.
2: That's probably why. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I will. When <laughs> I catch you on, I will. I've had enough bloody exposure to that thing. I don't need anything else. Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, they just don't believe you. That's <laughs> not it, <it's> true.
0: <laughs> um, but, any, ah, ah. but anyway, um, so thank you very much. But I'm going to try it out. Uh, uh, next week I can do Lion. Set. And yeah, they re, are they releasing Lion next week? Is that really? No.
3: I've heard rumors that they're going to release Mac Pros and new uh, laptops and uh, an operating system sometime soon.
1: In, ju- in July yeah. or
3: August? Yeah, like real soon. We're oh. in July. You know, mid, yeah, yeah. We're in mid-July now, so, right. you know.
0: Wow. Well, I hope your chest gets better soon, as uh, um, Rich Lawson says in the chat room. I know another, uh, a few people are concerned for your health. So we hope very,
3: very kind, extraordinary kindness coming at me from the chat room today. I really
0: appreciate it. As always, you sound a little hoarse, as the the joke goes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I suppose um, that's going to be pretty much it for the show. One just remains for me to say thank you very much to our sponsors, uh, YamahaSynth.com, YamahaDownload.com. Go and check out the N8 or the N12 or any other Yamaha products and just go and buy some and say it was us that sent you or something. That's the way it works. So, guys, thank you very much. That was uh, great fun. Uh, so I'm going to flip the live stream off now. And uh, Oh, actually, no, I think PJ was going to have a bit of a tinkle on the on the or ivories won't you to play us out just so we can fade I can do that so thank you very much so I just flip to there we go yeah thank you very much everybody that was sonic talk number 225